Oh my gosh. Welcome back, you guys. It's another episode of Opticians. Unhinged. Unhinged. I'm Iris. I'm Lucia. <laughs> Did our, our heads get unhinged? So, we, we just tried to do an episode, this episode, and for like eight and a half minutes straight, Lucia couldn't stop laughing, which for her is a record. Um, <laughs> so... We're back now, and we're trying again. <clears throat> in all seriousness. So, oh, oh, were you just saying that we're back in all our serious? Oh, okay, okay. I thought you were going to make a point. Anyways, <laughs> so, updates today. for this week. Uh, we're breaking up again. I don't think We really got to get this fixed. You did, and then it paused. I don't know what's happening. I just work here, and Spectrum Internet sucks. I'm going to let that sink in for the world out there. I said it. Anyways. Ooh, um, <clears throat> I said it. And, you know, for the people out there that are monitoring everything that we say and do now, I hope that Spectrum doesn't make my internet worse than they already have. Because in the three times I've seen them this year, it seems to get worse every time. But, anyways, moving on. So, Loft, uh, they are having their San Francisco show uh, this month from... September 23rd and the 24th. One whole day or two whole days, depending on how you look at it. Um, it's at the Fort Mason Center for Arts and Culture um, in San Francisco. So if you guys didn't know about it, it's coming up soon. So make sure that if you want to go, you get your registration in. <laughs> um so right behind Loft um, is the Vision Expo West, um, and that's mm -hmm. going to be on September 27th through the 30th. Um, we've mentioned this one uh, yeah. as well. If you guys still need to register, get your registration and everything in. Um, they're holding that at the Venetian in Las Vegas this year. So, Ooh. yeah, uh, two back to awesome back-to-back -back shows although vision expo east is definitely everybody's preferred favorite the vision yeah. expo west doesn't seem to to hit <clears throat> quite as hard um so yeah that was that was most of our updates for this week um and as we mentioned before we do still have some apple podcast listeners following us now hey. well, i actually don't know if they're following us i'm not getting too many followers it makes me mildly sad, but I totally understand. Um, um, so, um, for today, we're going to chat about teleoptometry. So, um, this week, teleoptometry, um, I have a lot of thoughts on remote healthcare in general. Um, yep. But if we're focusing straight up on eye exams, give me your initial thoughts. On that. <laughs> I'm curious where you stand because you already know where I stand, but I want to hear where you stand. So hit me with it. Oh, where to start? Um, <laughs> there are so many reasons why not to do this. So many reasons. <laughs> Where to start? Agreed. Uh, well, okay. So I actually had a conversation with a doctor and okay. a very young <clears throat> doctor. Okay. So it's not like I went and spoke with someone that has been in business for 30 years. This is very young. She has been in the business for, I don't know, maybe five years. And usually, telehealth is geared to young people. You know, the idea of convenience and doing everything on your phone or your tablet or whatever. <clears throat> and what she was telling me was that even though the technology was there, um... Uh -huh. There's so many things that they miss out 
on. So if you're going to see a doctor and he can see 25% of what he usually sees, <clears throat> it's not good health care. Mm-hmm. Um, like, <coughs> you know, because I'm young, I wish I could say I love it, but she doesn't. She's like, I can't see more than half of what I'm supposed to see. I can't in good conscience say that it's been a full exam. Um, you know, so those were her thoughts. I kind of feel like <clears throat> that's the case. Um, you know, Was she an optometrist? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if is this doctor who I think it is? Okay, so it is. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think when it came, when it comes down to like telehealth, right? Uh, I don't feel that there should ever be a place in a medical setting where you have a patient in a room with no doctor um, or a doctor with no patient. Um I feel that there's definitely many things that could go wrong or be overlooked. And I don't think it has anything to do with the competency of the doctor or anything like that. But for everybody that works in the industry that's ever had to take a triage phone call, um, (laughs) I think that maybe having a five minute exam slot for a remote triage call would be something useful. Let's say that it's, you know, uh, somebody gets hit in the eye with something and their first instinct is to go to the emergency room. (laughs) A large majority of people who have some sort of eye injury or any injury, if it's substantial enough, immediately think I'm going to go to the emergency room. Um, So now you're, you've waited for God knows how long in the emergency room to be seen by somebody who says that they can't do anything. Right. Let's go see your, your eye doctor. Okay. Tomorrow. It's not feasible. Yeah. (laughs) It's not feasible for you as a doctor to put your patient on hold if they're in emergent need. Um, So in that case, I do feel that maybe some sort of tele exam from one doctor's office to another to communicate with those two doctors and for the optometrist or the ophthalmologist even Mm -hmm. to be able to see exactly what's going on. Is this something that can be postponed until tomorrow? Or if we postpone it until tomorrow, does this run the risk of this patient losing their vision? Mm -hmm. Um, So I do think that, you know, there's going to be a time and place for uh, like a, a remote eye exam, but I don't think that it should be a time and place in your annual exam, your regular eye health exam. Um, I feel that for refractions, um, <clears throat> assuming that you have a well-trained technician operating the foropter. And for those of you who don't know what the foropter is, is that weird thing that your eye doctor puts in front of your face and then repeatedly asks you better one or better two. Um, and that's, that's a big point of contention as well is the, the people that have to work up your eye exam for this. So for the listeners out there, and some of you may work for these companies and some of you may not be aware that they even exist. There are big corporate optical practices that only offer remote eye exams. That's it. There's never a doctor in the office that I'm aware of. And somebody, if they do work for these people and I'm wrong, please let me know. Right. But to my knowledge, they, they don't employ doctors and uh, they they work up the patients, the, they put everything in and then the doctor comes on a TV and does the exam with you, for you, with them, 
I don't really know. Um, <laughs> so know. from my understanding, the you would go into your eye exam, you fill out your paperwork, you get taken back, and a tech works you up. So in the world of optometry 2023, where it's largely owned and operated by corporate optical investment companies, let's let's discuss the type of people that are working you up prior to seeing your doctor. So there are so, so, so many instances where the tech who is the one that's taking your interocular pressure, they're taking your optos or fundus images, um, they're doing your auto refractor, all of those tests, the people that you see before you see the doctor, um, how many times your doctor has zero say in the person that fills that position or even knows any credentials about that person. <sighs> so now we're, we're going to a big optical and we're expecting a thorough eye exam because how could you not be a huge giant company this, this large and not be successful? Um, but the person that is working you up and the person that is responsible for translating your testing and everything else to your doctor has no idea what they're looking for, what any of it means, or if something goes wrong, they don't know. Um, and then I started reading even right. further how those, those techs are also still responsible for operating slit lamps and things like that. And while it doesn't take much to operate a slit lamp, I just don't understand how this is something viable or acceptable. Um, right. And maybe this is where I start to see a lot of the frustration with like opticians and how they feel you can't be an optician and not be licensed. Except right. I feel that this is very different because you're actually in the exam lane. You're not post-exam filling a prescription. Right. Um, you know, I don't agree with it. I just don't. <laughs> yeah. It makes me it makes me uncomfortable um, because I've worked with many, many, many techs who it was just a job to them. It, it was a paycheck that they yep. definitely didn't get paid enough nope. for everything that they did. So why bother learning more? Yep. <laughs> um, I, I just, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't like the thoughts of that for me as a patient. Um, if I get out of my house to go have an exam done, I expect that the doctor also leaves their house to give me an exam and that they be present for that exam. Yeah. Get. I mean, if you see something differently here, please let me know. No, <laughs> um, no I think this one we're going to agree on, um, which yeah. doesn't happen very often. Ah, no, no. <clears throat> we always end up agreeing to to each other's opinions for the listeners out there, like we both always respect each other's viewpoints, yeah. but sometimes we can change each other's opinions. And sometimes we're just like, hmm, those are interesting thoughts. Thanks for sharing them. Like I, <laughs> old people. <laughs> I mean, they are for old people. That's why they exist. Yeah. However, they can still be fashionable. No, <laughs> never. The never, the never ending bifocal debate. <laughs> <laughs> That prior to this podcast, we didn't know we were disagreeing up. Um, so, sorry. Let me just put it out this way. As a counselor, um, uh I have been. I don't want to say bullied because I didn't give in. Um, I have been encouraged, highly encouraged, okay? I have been mm -hmm. highly encouraged to do telehealth and to do counseling 
over Zoom or FaceTime or, you know, whatever. Fill in the blank. Sure. Most counselors do. There is a lot of counselors out there that do uh, consults over uh, some kind of a technological thing. My problem sure. with it is people lie. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Right? Like, as a counselor, when we are sitting in front of each other, I'm not only listening to what you're telling me with your mouth, but I'm also looking at your body language. I'm also looking at if you're fidgety, what your legs are doing, if you're sweating, if you're comfortable. Like, I can, I can feel your uncomfortableness or your joy or your sadness, right? But you can't do that over a screen. Like, like I can't, I can't do that over a screen because over a screen you see from here up and you don't know right. if I'm like doing this with my hands off camera right? or if I'm doing this or, or shaking your leg or, you yeah. know, all those things that would be a cue for me to say, okay, wait, this is uncomfortable. Let's take a step back. Let's chat about it. You know, so if in a counseling situation, I wouldn't feel comfortable because people lie. <laughs> yeah. On a medical and eye exam, I mean, <sighs> if you're not there, how would you I, know? Like, how would you know? And then you have well, people, and then y- with raw prescriptions. Because at that point, yeah, and I might be wrong, and if someone thinks I'm wrong, please send me the information. I would like to learn more. But at that point, I feel like they're grabbing whatever the auto-refractor tells them to, whatever that machine says your prescription should be, and saying, okay, we're going to act like we're going through an exam, but this is what you're going to get. I definitely, so in my research, there are already pending litigations surrounding teleoptometry where, uh, and let's also be real here. How many times have you had a patient who just really inflates their complaint Yes, where they're making it way more than it needs to be, except to me, for you to go as far as litigation and start suing a company because of your bad prescription to me that seems a bit far stretched so i feel like if you're actually suing it's got to be pretty bad right right and i don't know the specifics in it but there are litigations out there where it's basically saying i had no idea that i wouldn't have a doctor present for this eye exam right and my my prescription caused me to have a car accident. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's hypothetic. But uh, you know, I do believe that I guarantee there's something out there along mm-hmm. those lines. Um, and some states have banned teleoptometry. And for those states, for those states that have banned it. Thank you for banning it. We support you, states. Thank you. Uh, Back to what I was talking about. So, uh, for the states that have banned this from being an available option, and I'm talking specifically teleoptometry, not telehealth as a whole, but teleoptometry. Right. Um, I think that those those states are on a good path, but... uh, you know, for some states that do permit it, there can be a lot of catch 22s in terms of your reimbursements um, with your insurance and things like that. Or doctors that live in one state but want to practice teleoptometry in another state, um, you're not credentialed there. So right. you have to go and get all of the proper credentials done. Or, so then that makes me wonder. Mm-hmm. Or, like, 
so I know that North Carolina and Florida have different uh, exams, and one is harder mm-hmm. than the other one. So what stops a doctor from getting credentialed in the easy state and live in the other mm-hmm. state and do exams but that's in the, the thing. state? I don't. That there's. I don't think that. I don't think that they can do that. I think they have to be credentialed in both. No, no, no. But I could be wrong. But, like, if I'm credentialed, let's say, in Oklahoma, but I live in North Carolina, but I'm only seeing Oklahoma patients. Hmm. And that's where it gets tricky. Because then, at this point, and it... As much as I would love to sit here and say, I trust big box. And let's be <laughs> real. You're only going you're only going to get offered a remote eye exam at a big box optical. I don't think I know a single private practice optical that offers remote eye exams. Right. I'm not right. saying that they don't exist. I'm just saying I don't know of them. And if we're talking an efficient remote eye exam, <laughs> you're going to have to have pl- plenty of tech support and plenty of internet support in order to do that efficiently and not run into a bunch of streamline issues. So again, yeah. an affordability thing that's only going to be available to deep pocket corporate optical. So when we're going into that, back to what I was about to say, let's say that we're talking these credentialing things, right? Mm -hmm. So I have a pretty high standard of expectation for optometrists in North Carolina, because I know how difficult it is for you to get credentialed here, as well as opticians. That's one reason I'm not licensed yet, is that their, their testing and everything is notoriously difficult. Um, I'm not a good tester. So, <laughs> but you're relying then on a big box optical to follow the law mm-hmm. and not give you a teleoptometrist that is, you know, not, not properly credentialed. And I'm going to be honest, I don't trust them to do that every a hundred percent of the time. No. Um, you know, with the, the fact that I've worked for them and I've seen, you know, how easily they're willing to not invest in the support staff that is ultimately running that eye exam. So there's no doctor in your office. So let's say I come in and I do have a critical emergency. Let's say that this is my regular optometrist that I go to every year for my regular check. But today Today I have a piece of wood in my eye. I was working in my workshop and a splinter is in there. I just know it. And the tech takes the optos and the tech puts them in the room, right? And to confirm that there is in fact wood in there, because let's assume this tech has no idea what they're looking at on an optos image, as most of them do not, okay? So now there's just going to be a doctor that comes on a screen and says, yep, you've got a splinter in your eye, but I'm not there to take that out for you. And there's no doctor on staff to do that either. You're going to have to now drive somewhere else. So at this point, you've wasted at least an hour of your time when you factor in commuting Yep. and sitting there and waiting. And for what? Like, I, mm, refraction. Most only? they could do would be to put a numbing drop on that eye but that's not going to solve the problem right. that's just putting a band-aid on it basically not even a band-aid <sighs> yeah yeah it it just seems really ir- irresponsible to me mm-hmm. um i don't think that it's good practice it's not i think it, that there are to me the biggest problem i mean there's a lot of bigger problems but the biggest problem is the lack of openness to the patient so i know mm-hmm. in one of the big box opticals in the area that we live in 
you can make an appointment mm-hmm. and they will mm-hmm. say, okay, you're going to see Dr. blah dee blah and you go in and Dr. blah dee blah is not there and they won't tell you that. Right. And you go into an empty mm-hmm. room and Dr. appears. I think if you're going to do that, you should at least say this will be a conference call with the doctor. You know what I mean? And let the mm-hmm. patient decide yes, I want to do that or no, I don't want to do that. Because if you show up, right, you go through all of your pre-testing, you sit in the room, and then you realize that the doctor's not coming in. And you walk out, chances are they're going to file your insurance. Yeah, especially if it is a, like a big box optical or something. They're, they're going to say, well, you know, you made it that far, blah, blah, blah. Uh, or they're, they're just going to file it automatically and not take into account whether or not that patient was ever actually seen by the doctor. Yeah. Um, and then that's just going to tie up their benefits for however long it takes for somebody competent enough to fix it, um, you know, without giving the patient the runaround. Um, right. There was, um, you know, it's just so, okay, messy, man. let's say that we're, it, it is messy. And I, fortunately, I don't see remote optometry taking over completely. Uh, I don't think that that's going to become such a standardized form of practice that we're not going to see a a local optometrist anymore. Just like, it's great for refractions. If you're just going in and you're having your annual eye exam and you don't have a history of ocular issues, however, those can just suddenly pop up out of nowhere, like literally overnight. Um, if, If all you're doing is going in just for a refraction, literally just a refraction. I don't think it's awful if you have the proper staff in place. And when I say proper staff, I don't mean somebody that you've trained for like two weeks and then just said, okay, well, you should be good all on your own. And then, you know, you have a high turnover rate for that position as well you're just, you're just going to end up in this cycle of incompetence. And ultimately the only person that's paying for that is the patient. Um, they're not going to have a good experience. They're not going to have a memorable one. So, uh, I mean, even if they do, like, even if they do, and that's another very serious thing is, you know, like, the super young people that are like all into technology and they go in and they see the doctor on TV and and they're super stoked about it. And they think they're getting this great service and something gets missed. Like let's say the pressures were high and Mm -hmm. the, they didn't do the photos of the back of the eye because the patient didn't want to pay for it. And this patient now has a bleed in their eye, you know, like, but I think that if you're doing remote optometry, I think that taking photos of the eye are actually required. Um, because the doctor is not there to operate the slit lamp and the slit lamp operation it is being done by the tech but it's not being done every single time um i really think when they decided oh yeah let's just open a big old chain of teleoptometry branches i think that their focus was as usual get them in get them out get as many exams done as possible and i'm sorry but that's why I ultimately ended up leaving the healthcare field as a whole. Like now I'm, I'm considering myself not really so much in healthcare, Mm -hmm. but I'm in design and art. Um, But I got tired of feeling like my patients were just another number because to me, 
they're not. To me, those are my patients. I care about you. I'm invested in you and how easy it is for them to just be treated like they are just, they're, they're just there to empty their wallets out. And when you're getting your eye exam and for the people that are listening that don't know this, there are so many things that can go overlooked in your eye that you have no idea are happening. Mm -hmm. There's no way that you could tell without having a proper eye exam done. And while everybody's always like, Ooh, ophthalmologists, because you know, ophthalmologists are the, the medical doctors. They went to longer school and it, there is an extreme underappreciation for the optometrist of the world because I've seen optometrists save lives just as much as an ER doctor has. Um, I've seen doctor eye doctors that have diagnosed diabetes when their primary care physicians, you know, are only telling them, Oh, well you're, you're here or you're there on the spectrum. Yeah or whatever it might be, I, I could go on with a list of things, um, things that the doctors find in those images or behind a slit lamp after they've dilated you. I don't think they're dilating every single patient that would be necessary to have a dilation yeah. if all you're doing are photos and there's nobody there to say otherwise. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just don't, yeah. And that's, I don't feel that's that kinda, it's a good kind of where I was going with that. Like, you know, yeah, because dilation is usually for patients with a history of something or older patients or whatever. But if you have like a 20 some year old that thinks they're totally healthy and I mean, just as, the, just as an example, I have a friend that um, her husband was having really bad headaches and really bad headaches and really bad headaches and went to the doctor and they were like, Oh, it's stress. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's, you know, whatever they do. Um, and I was like, dude, why don't y'all go see the eye doctor? Maybe like, you know, his pressures are high or something. Right. And, uh, his pressures were really high and they did a photo and in the photo, it revealed that his optic nerve was really pinched, but it couldn't see anything else. Um, he ended up, he has a tumor on his brain. But the reason I'm oh, telling all this is, as a doctor, if I'm looking at this photo, what, who is it to say that I'm not going to look at this photo and be like, oh, it's just a bad photo? And dismiss it. Yeah. Especially if it's like a young patient. Yeah. You're like, oh, there's no way. Or, it's just a bad picture. Or if despite the fact that you're doing an eye exam, you're still seeing too many patients a day because they're using that as an excuse to just fill your books more. So it's easy to overlook things when you're seeing a patient every 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. It's definitely a lot harder to devote the same level of attention to them when one, you're not there. And two, you're seeing, uh, I'm going to say loosely four patients an hour, but uh, I feel like conservatively it's a minimum of six most times because we're not factoring in that most offices will do their regular exams plus office visits in addition to that. So on a, on a good day in a big box optical, you know, you're only seeing four or five patients an hour, but I've seen it sometimes where one doctor is seeing 10 patients an hour because mm-hmm. people don't know how to manage their books yep. and they don't care yep. because ultimately they're just being told, Oh, yep. Get them all in there. Get, get them in there and get them out and you know, whatever. Oh, well, that's an easy, that's an easy day. Let's see that patient. Yep. Um, so Yeah. Um, statistics I did look into. Yeah. So telehealth as a whole was, it existed prior to the pandemic, right. but it wasn't nearly in as much of an abundance mm-hmm. as it has become since the pandemic. Right. Um, but I was looking less than 1% of patients, um, were being done virtually prior to the pandemic. Okay. Now 
it's averaging around 25% virtual exams. And that was done, that survey was based last September. Uh So I project that it's possible that since last September, when that poll was done to now, it's probably somewhere closer to 30%. I wonder... And again, I'm not comfortable with those those stats. I just nope. Nope. Mm-hmm. nope I'm old nope. school. I want to see a doctor. I want. And, and speaking of old school, and yeah, not only do I want to see a doctor, but I want to see a doctor that's going to take. And now I'm talking about like an MD that's going to sure. grab a the little sticky thing and put it inside my ear and look down my throat and like look at me, you know, not this new age. Oh, I'm going to stay all the way over here. And you're just going to tell me what you need. And I'm going to write you a prescription. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I definitely don't get down with the whole, just tell me what you need. I'm going to write you a prescription bit, but you, you don't see that too much in optometry. Do you know what I do see a lot in optometry? People coming in, asking for you to sign this paper from the DMV so you can have your windows tinted. I cannot tell you how much that drives me nuts. It really drives me crazy because you're only making it more difficult for the people out there that really do have light sensitivity to be able to actually get this and get the help that we need. Um, You know, I say this from someone that has extreme light sensitivity that has legal tint on my windows. Which in North Carolina is not very dark, (laughs) you know, but you're going into the eye doctor and you really, you don't even care what your vision is. You just want your car to look cool. So like there, there's an abuse of the system in every aspect of it, whether it be somebody's trying to abuse painkillers or somebody's just trying to get tint on their car, mm-hmm. but you know, or even when kids come in and they're like telling you their vision is terrible and they're clearly lying in oh, their eyes. They young. just want some glasses. They look so cute. They just want, and Hey, that's totally fine. Go to Claire's, buy your kids some cool little frames and pop the glasses out of them. Like the little lenses. And that way that you're not running the risk of them hurting the kid. They've got a cool little frame on and it's not doing anything for them, but you know, cool support their fashion choices, but let's teach them to be honest about their vision. So- <laughs> <laughs> let's teach honest to people. Yeah. It, and back to your point about being old school, I really do get concerned with the senior patient care in telehealth as a whole um but especially in optometry your eyes start doing so many different things after the age of 40 and while you have these trendy 40 year olds now that you know we're still hip and we still know everything that's going on yeah we do uh it, it doesn't mean that you know we don't want proper access to diagnosis that makes sense, that is factual, that is right. And, you know, I feel like there's going to come a significant period of time where there's going to be a lot of things that are going overlooked um, because there's not a doctor present. Um, I personally would not recommend going to any of those remote opticals. I just feel like it's a liability, not just for yourself, but also for that company. I I don't know how they can comfortably operate. I don't either. Um, so, oh, contact fittings. Oh yeah. So let's say that's a terrible idea. Don't do it. No way. I hope that they do not do especially for new wearers don't you dare come in here and sit down in my remote chair and have an exam with a remote optometrist (laughs) and how how many times has somebody booked themselves just a regular eye exam gotten their butt in the chair and then been like i actually really just wanted contacts 
And it's my and first And then they time. want to throw this in there. I just, I need scleral contacts. Oh. Could you imagine? No. It can't be done. I'd be like, you know what? No, this, this no. can't be done. You're going to have to either come in on a day where we have a physical doctor, well, which in those places is never. Well, and <laughs> that's the other thing. Like, scleral contacts. Oh, mm -hmm. I think there's only like four or five doctors in this area that do them. So. Okay. I, I think that there's a, a lot of doctors that do them, but there's not a lot of doctors. Actually, no, let me correct that. There are a lot of practices that do them, but not a lot of doctors that do them competently because it is such a rare request. Yep. And for the listeners out there, if you have no idea what a scleral lens is, Be it thankful. basically takes up your entire eye. Uh, so, yeah. All in all, um, I vote for the listeners of the world. If you're listening out there. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, do it if you absolutely have to, but if you feel like you've actually got a medical problem going on, don't do it. I don't care if you think you don't need to do it. Don't do it. Just don't do it. It's bad. Yeah. It's bad. All around. I, I just, I can't get down with it. If, if these companies, I can't even which think, I know that they're not, I can't even think in a situation where I would be like, yeah, do it. I can't. No. Yeah. Don't do it. If these companies were to start devoting more energy and investing in their technicians and you had licensed technicians that were doing the workups, uh, I would feel differently. I still would not be sold 100% on it, but I would have a mild amount more confidence in it. I've met some techs that know more than the doctors, uh, which is disturbing. But, hey, it's a thing, um, especially whenever I was working in ophthalmology. Like, it would yeah. blow your mind the things that I saw in ophthalmology. Well, I think, um, I think it has, you know, like, I know nurses that know so mm -hmm. much more. Mm -hmm. it, and it's not necessarily that they know more than the doctor. They just care more to know more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just, I don't know. I'll, don't do it. I can't. Nope. 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 Yeah. Um, no, no, no. So, yeah. Uh, in all, Lucia and I are actually uh, pretty much 100% on board with it this time. That, uh, no. Just no. <laughs> just yourself a no. great locally. Just no. Get a great local optometrist. One that does not work for a big box optical. One that <sighs> has been established for a long time with staff that has been there a long time. There is nothing in this optical world that you will appreciate better than the small private practice experience. Yep. I've had so many patients that I've worked with in big box versus so many patients that I've worked with in private yep. practice. And how many of those private practice patients were former big box rollovers that said, I'm never doing that again. Yep. That was the worst experience I've ever had. And, mm -hmm. you know, for the people out there, those big box advocates of the world, there's plenty of people out there that you guys are not listening to. And you should be listening to the complaints more than you should be listening to the compliments. As much as you guys like to have all of these stupid surveys and stuff done that you are so adamant about reporting on every week or every day, those are not speaking for the large majority of people that are just like, that was so bad. I don't even see a point in leaving a review. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, don't do it. Find you a great practice in town or drive a little bit further and go find you one the next town over. But whatever you do, Try to stay out of these tele-optometry yeah, places. Don't do it. So, who are we? Yep. Showcasing today. Uh, uh, and well, why? So, 
so for our indie spotlight today, um, there is a bespoke optician turned master artisan. So this dude is goals for me. Um, in order to be cons considered a true master artisan as an eyewear designer, it requires quite a bit of work, quite a bit of dedication. And I think that it's awesome that this is one of the few people that are considered true master artisans. So um, this is a company called uh, Yopin. It's J-A-U-P-I-N. Mm -hmm. If it is Jopin, Jopin, Wapin, I don't know. Um, but if it's wrong, somebody sorry, please correct sir. me. So, <laughs> sorry. Um, so he moved to the designer status of life in 2014. Um, okay. And he fuses his high jewelry design experience in with his optical services okay. um so he does have, uh, offer a full bespoke service which is mm -hmm. if you guys don't know what bespoke is it's a custom fit pair of glasses from start to finish that's made for an individual um ready to wear is something that you can buy off the shelf that's what you usually see when you go into an optical shop they're mass produced um, unless they carry like some frame line that's really special but they're usually mass produced um so he does offer both um you can go on his website and purchase frames on his website um, or you can do the bespoke services uh, he got his start in Paris. He has now relocated and set up shop in Dubai, which considering his prices makes a lot of sense. Um, so I checked out his prices and I think the least expensive frame that I saw online was like $600. And the most expensive one that I saw was about 8,000, um, Whoa. for a frame. So okay. They're beautiful. So crafted. I looked at them. Um, honestly, it's something that I'm kind of envious about. It, it's a skill level that I haven't quite reached yet. I'm a, I'm a far, far away way. Um, yeah. And there were some pieces that I was like, yo, oh, I would totally wear that. Yeah. Alrighty. Beautiful. Alrighty, sir. Wow. Yeah. But then there were some pieces that I was like, hey, mascot, I see you. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of mascot, so uh, sidebar for anybody out there that it just enjoys good film and stuff. Uh, do you know, and I know this is always a far reach, do you know who Paul Rudd is? Okay. So... Uh, there is a show that Stefan and I started watching last night called Living With Yourself. And it's actually a really good show. Um, but Where are you going? the frames, <laughs> it's all mascot. Every single frame <laughs> that is in that show, I was like sitting there watching it. And I'm like, oh my God, babe, I know that frame. I know the model of that. I know who makes that. And he's like... <laughs> You're really passionate. And that's all he said. <laughs> and I was like, I know they're nothing that great, but I know who that is. And I think that's cool. And, and it was based in New York. So it kind of made sense, of which I, yeah. I, I thought geographically speaking, it was pretty cool because they live in the yeah. suburbs, but go into work in the city. It was crazy. So yeah. Anyways, mascot it's in that show. Uh, if you, okay. If you guys haven't, checked out mascot you can i'm wearing them i'm wearing mascot right now oh is that your zev yeah oh yay i'm wearing Hello. another pair of etnias i should really do an indie life. spotlight on my face it is <laughs> uh so yeah guys i think that's gonna be it for the week um as usual Make sure that you like, follow, subscribe. Uh, give us all your thoughts, feelings, and opinions, unless they're yeah. bad. Then keep them to yourself. Um, no, give them to, <laughs> give yeah. them to give us. Them, 
Give them to I'll Lucia. probably get that. I'll give. I'll get that email and I'll reply with it. No. Yeah. Lu- Lucia handles the complaints much better than I do. I'm so sensitive. Um. So if you guys oh, just listen to us, you know, on the twenty thousand places that we're on, and you've never actually watched an episode, I would highly encourage mm-hmm. you. To watch this episode has a monkey <sighs> hanging upside down right next to her face. Oh, <laughs> it is amazing. monkey has been there this entire time. It's been there this entire time. I know. And but also today, my super. He looks happy and like, hey. <laughs> like he the lives angle through a hurricane. That he's, yeah. You know, the angle he's laying on or whatever. He looks super happy. Let's not talk about the skull behind him. But yeah, watch hey, it. Look, it's fun. The skull is next to my mom. Okay, so the skull makes sense, and it's fabulous. It's wearing a little bird cage veil. All right, like she's looking is. good over there. Just leave her alone. She's got rhinestones for eyes. She can't ever possibly be having a bad day. So, anyways, like, comment, subscribe, follow. Check us out, Amazon, Apple, Spotify, everywhere else you can think of. And if we're not there and you thought of it, yeah, then let us know. Um, If you guys, oh my gosh, if you work in teleoptometry, I want to (gasps) know. I want to know what your day is like. I want to know what your patients are like. I want to know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I want to know all of it. Um, so yeah, if you guys are listening and you work in that type of setting, um, let us know your experiences with it because that's something that neither of us are experienced with, but we clearly feel some type of way about it. Um, as usual, uh, email us if you've heard anything that's not right. Um, so we can fix it and yeah, yeah we'll be we back life next learners. Friday. Yes. Always. Every day. All the time. Woo. Um, yeah. So next week we'll be back with another probable exciting episode. Um, actually, I think by the time that that episode rolls around, I'm going to be doing pirate fest, um, towards the end of September. So maybe we should do an episode that's discussing like pirate patches or something. All right. Have a good one. All right. Have a great one. We'll be back next Friday. Bye.